Charlie, the Bulldogs have got two flags now. I hate you. If you think we'll be insightful, clever or just well researched, we're here to say that's not the case. We'll just go out and wing it. We are two guys, one cup. It is Monday the 10th of July. Welcome to Two Guys, One Cup, an AFL podcast. My name is Will Anderson, and that is definitely the first time I said that. And my name is Charlie Clawson, and that is also definitely the first time I've said that. Yeah, definitely. There's no way that we fucked up recording this podcast again and have had to start <laughs> No, that would never happen, because when it comes to <laughs> recording podcasts, you and I are definitely two guys who attempt to do that. <laughs> hey, uh, uh, breaking news though, Charlie, mm. hot off the presses. I mean, this is very early in the week for us to record this podcast, but it was the only time we could squeeze it into both our schedules that are relatively busy at the moment. And uh, it means that we've got some hot breaking AFL news, although by the time this podcast inevitably gets loaded to America and then out, <laughs> it'll be Thursday and everybody will know it, that uh, Luke Hodge... Uh, former captain of the uh, Mighty Hawks, premiership captain, Norm Smith medalist, uh, Luke Hodge, has announced his retirement uh, on the eve of his 300th game. And it seems like a weird time to do it. I would have thought just play the 300th, then retire. But he, he's just that sort of cat. Yeah. So anyway, Charlie laughed a lot more at that the first time <laughs> when I said it. So... <laughs> Uh, no surprise, really. Like, everyone's son had got the sense this year that Hodgie seemed to be enjoying his football again. Like, he had a sort of, he just, he just had a relaxed nature. And when I say that, I mean, he was cracking skulls left, right and centre. And I, I guess now, he's just not hiding the fact anymore. I would say, if you're playing Hawthorne in the next six rounds, wear a mouth guard. Oh, I want to know who Hawthorne have got in the final match of the, uh, of the season, because that's, if you're, if you're in that team, that's where you've got to watch out because there's no concert. Oh, the fucking dogs. <laughs> They've got the dogs. Thanks, Mike. In Hodgie's last match. Oh, it's probably good that we're not going to make the finals because Hodgie will probably take eight of us out anyway who, in that final match. Who does Hodgie normally line up, line up on? Does he go to like a stringer or something? I would love if uh, Hodgie uh, finished his AFL career by decking Rob Murphy. <laughs> I feel like that'd be controversial. <laughs> Go to the most beloved player in the league and just bash him. Oh, no. I think uh, it would be great well, if Hodgie got sent to Caleb Daniel. Just, like, chase Caleb Daniel. <laughs> like, it'd be like the old days of the WWE where they'd get some of those, like, uh, you know, uh, midget wrestlers in and they'd get chased around and hide under the apron of the ring and stuff. Just comical. It'd be great if going into his final week... Clarko just says, Hodgie, I've got one last present for you for your great service to the Hawthorne Football Club. Uh, I've got a tagging role for you on the weekend at Caleb Daniel. <laughs> All I want you to do is shut Caleb out of the game, mate. Go nuts. It's your last game for you. We all chipped in. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, look, it's, it's sad news. Um, I'm going to miss seeing Luke Hodge play. Like, he's definitely one of the greatest captains to have ever played the game. Like, he was the guy that you wanted to lead your team, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, he's one of those guys that... I, look, I'm sad to see him go. I get it. He's still playing good enough football that I think he probably could have played again, but I get also why he's finishing. Um, I, a couple of things I would say is, I loved the other night when he was uh, mic'd up, you know, and they had his you know, commentary on the field. 
I say, now that he's announced he's retiring, mic him for all the rest of the games. Yeah, great idea. Because imagine the shit that he's going to say from now on, now that all bets are off. So I say constantly mic him until the end of the season. In fact, put it out as a podcast. Be there somewhere you can download like the unedited yeah. version of what Hodgie says for the entire match. So, firstly, do that. Yeah, I would. I would go one step. Second, I would go one step further, Will, and say mic him at training because I want to hear what he's got to say to Tyrone Vickery this week. Yeah, in fact, just mic him. Put it like put a wire on him. In fact, the police might be doing that anyway. Yeah. So. <laughs> The good, the good news is uh, that Hodgie is not only inspirational on the lead, but he managed to get a confession <laughs> from Tyrone on the halfback flank, three-quarter time. Um, here's the thing that I loved is, uh, you know, we have, I miss the day of, uh, we've talked about this before, I miss the day of the, the player coach. Yeah. You know, the fact that the coach is out there playing. Alex Jezelenko at the could Saints. Luke, could Luke Hodge, A, I've got two suggestions. Yeah. Firstly... If there was a club, you know, a club that felt like they really desperately needed a new coach, say you're the Gold Coast, for example, and yeah, you're looking for a new coach and you want someone to go up there and be the leader of all these young men and teach them some lessons in leadership. That's what that, cl- that club's been missing the most. How about you go to Luke Hodge and go, we want you to coach, but we want to keep you on the list in case at some time <laughs> during the season next season you want to play as well. Yeah. Could you do that, I wonder? Like, could you put him on, like, just put him on a rookie list, I guess. And so he's yeah. only having to come to training. Like, and he has to physically train, like, once a week, just a skill session. You keep him on the rookie list, and then you just upgrade him before the game in which you, you want to take out Joel Selwood. <laughs> yeah, I just think it's one of those things where there, there would come a time where he realized on the track when he was teaching these young people that if they had a few injuries or whatever, then he might be better to be out there doing it. Like, you know, some coaches go down to the sidelines, mm. but imagine you could be coaching from out there in the middle of the game. So wouldn't it be great uh, if he, he got the coaching job? This is how it works. He gets the coaching job on the Gold Coast. They give him the job. And then on rookie draft day, they draft him. Yeah. Onto their rookie list. That'd be amazing. That would be awesome. Basically, <laughs> we just need a human battering ram. Like, in case of emergency, break glass and put Luke Hodge on the field and just get it. You know, it's like uh, uh, Tom Lynch is, has kicked six goals. We're going to break the glass, bring out Hodgie. You've got 15 minutes on the ground. We're just going to shoot you up full of painkillers. Just go out there and just take him out. I mean, they would be the most feared. They'd become the most feared team in the league again, Hawthorne, if they did that. Well, firstly, don't you think this is the sort of thing that Gold Coast needs to get, like, the imagination back in the Gold Coast? Secondly, isn't this the sort of crazy-ass plan that Tony Cochran would be right yes. behind? Like, it feels right, feels right up his alley. You, every team would be excited about the Gold Coast, but imagine you had it so that you could activate the playing at any time. Yeah. So you could literally go from him in the box and you could see him get frustrated. They could be like, oh, Hodgie's frustrated with how it's going here. The other team really getting on top of them. Oh, hang on, he's standing up. He's throwing He's throwing down his phone. And yes, he's coming down the stairs and he seems to be ripping off his clothes and he has a jumper underneath. Yeah. Hodgie's going to play. <laughs> yeah. I'd love to see. I'd love to see Hodgie like in his. You know, he's got his zip-up uh, Hawks polo shirt as the coach. He runs out into the middle yeah. of the ground and like Hulk Hogan just slowly tears like the polo <laughs> off to reveal he's wearing like his Guernsey underneath. The crowd would go nuts. Well, it'd be that sort of thing. I can imagine. Say, for example, like the crowds would then love it. 
Like, because he'd, he'd act, that's how you do it, right? He, he can't, he's not going to be fit enough to play all the game every game. Mm. But they give the Gold Coast a concession that Hodgie could activate himself as a kind of like super sub yeah. at various times. Yeah. And so you can imagine them, they're going into the final quarter in an important game, and he's there giving his address in the three-quarter huddle, and then you see all the players put their arms around each other, like huddling in, huddling in, and then they pull back, and he's there yeah. in his yeah. gear, and the crowd just goes wild! Yeah. Or, if you're going to allow that, if Hawthorne have the option, the Hodgie option, yeah. a team should be able to introduce a, a foreign object. So, like, if your team has Hodgie in, introduced in the game then your centre-half forward also gets like a steel chair or something like that. Just something to even... If Hodgie's going out there purely to break bones for 15 minutes, you compensate the other team by giving them their choice of weapon. Something, an inanimate object that they can use to defend themselves against Hodgie. I mean, I feel like you're making my very sensible idea a bit comic. (laughs) (laughs) let Let me put it to you this way, Charlie. How many times in the last two or three years... If he'd been able to, do you think that Nathan Buckley would have played himself? Yeah, every game. Every game. Right. James Hurd, the same thing, right? <laughs> right. Luke, I mean, I reckon the Scott brothers would still fancy themselves. Luke Beveridge, he looks fit enough to go out there and bloody, like, go on, get, get in the ball. Yeah, Stringer, this is how you get a hardball oh, that'd, get. That'd be great. Okay, so for example, they only activate themselves for these moments where they're needed. Yeah. So for example, at the moment... Uh, Johannesson's being targeted, you know, with a lot of physical stuff, and it's a real plan by other teams. And there's been a criticism around the Bulldogs that they don't have anyone down there sort of big and physical enough to protect him, which is probably true, right? We don't at the moment. Mm-hmm. But can you imagine, Never. like, start of the game, all the all the players start going to Johannesson, and then you just see Bevo running down from the grandstand, just tearing off clothes like the Incredible Hulk, yeah. ready to get out yeah, there. Yeah, I love that. I love that. But then... I mean, Alan Richardson's a pretty old coach. Like, you're talking about the Scott brothers and Bevo. They're like young, fit men. We're at a significant disadvantage with, like, a coach who's sort of closer to 50. I mean, what are bloody Brisbane going to do? Re- Is bloody Dennis Fagan, Chris Pagan Fagan going to come down and, like, throw punches? <laughs> Oh, well, I think this is the great thing about it. Because you then get to see, you know, obviously what approach they would take in the game. I mean, obviously, Richo, you know, he's not going to be able to compete physically anymore. But the thing about Richo is he knows how to get inside people's heads. <laughs> right. You know? So he'd be like, yeah. he'd be like the Hannibal Lecter. Like, he, he, wouldn't, right. he wouldn't throw punches back, but he would talk the full back into eating his own tongue. <laughs> Yeah, that's exactly his approach. He'd just like stand next to them and he'd had, he'd know too much about them. He goes, I see here that you haven't rung your grandmother for a while. That is not very pleasing. And then suddenly they would just fall apart mentally. Maybe that's what Richo's doing in his press conferences with all the positives and the pleasing. That's some kind of like Manchurian candidate, like activation word. Yeah, absolutely. It's got the perfect sibilance for it. Well, um, well it, had, it had the perfect effect this week, didn't it? That was very positive and very pleasing. Well, I was going to say, I watched the, the whole game, but that first half uh, that Sinky Alder played was as good a half of football as any team that I have seen play this season. It, the, the Saints were amazing, I thought. Yeah. It was uh, it was pretty incredible, and I was not expecting it. I didn't actually get to watch it properly because I was out with friends, but I had one eye on the TV in the pub I was at, and I could not believe what I was seeing. Like, at halftime, to be 82 points up, like, we kicked more in a half than we kicked for most entire games this season. It was 
It's weird. Richmond weren't good, though. Like, I think even Richo in his press conference had to choose his words very carefully because he was like, look, I can't speak for Dimmer, but I think Richmond were a bit off tonight, not to take anything away from St Kilda, but undoubtedly, like, they, they just didn't turn up. Well, uh, it's not his job to speak for for Dimmer, but Dimmer was happy to speak for Dimmer. <laughs> Did you see the press conference answer? Oh, yes. This is one of my favourite... Yeah, go on. One of my favourite moments of this season, <laughs> because they've asked him about... Uh, is it Kane Corns, Kane isn't Corns. it? Not, yeah. yeah, not Chad. It's yeah. Kane Corns. Uh, on the radio, he's talked about the fact that, you know, sort of... Well, just Richmond, you know, got a bit ahead of themselves, essentially, he was suggesting. And uh, Dimmer started with what seemed like the sort of answer you give to one of these questions, which is like, well, you know, uh, Cornsy's got a job to do, Mm. you know, that sort of thing. And then he goes, his job is to to have shit takes on things. That's pretty amazing. It was just like, it was a perfect setup. It was so like dry and sardonic. Like it was such a perfect comeback. It's like I coach teams, he writes shit think pieces. Yeah, Yeah, this is his, we've all got jobs and his job is to be shit. (laughs) Digging out shit from a shithole in shitsville. It's the equivalent of that joke of saying to the fat comedian, why are you so fat? Because every time I fuck your mother, she feeds me a biscuit. Like, (laughs) Tim has got a, Tim has just got the setup punchline perfect. Yeah, he's just like, no, mate, he's just doing his job. His shit job. That's all about shit. He's shit, by the way. Did I mention that? <laughs> well, let's, um, we don't have much time tonight because you have to get out of here. So let's uh, get into yep. the results. Um, should we, okay. should we talk about the first game, Will? I, I, we haven't really, I left you alone this weekend. No text messages, no checking in with you. I thought even, uh, as we do this via Skype tonight, uh, you look like you're in witness protection because you're in a, a very darkened kind of room. I can't even really see your face. And I'm wondering if, has it been a weekend of mourning or was it kind of, you were sort of resigned to this probably happening, right? Uh, I did not, even in my best case scenario, it did not involve us beating Adelaide at Adelaide. So the good news is, if, for example, I was working on like an escape plan <laughs> for something, they've like, <laughs> us losing that bit of it was always kind of part of the plan that I had. It would have been a surprise. Or say, for example, you're a war general. Yeah. There's a couple of places you, you're going to have to sacrifice. You're going to have to acknowledge we're going to lose that battle. That was a battle I thought we were going to lose. i got to be honest. I thought the first half we had a real crack. In the second quarter, if we'd been able to convert our scores, I think we were, you know, we were starting to be on top of the game. But then, like, in the second half, Adelaide just, like, put on a display and the Bulldogs were, you know, looked undermanned and without a plan or a plan that without confidence or whatever it is that they are. But yeah, I look, I mean, I, I weirdly enough now that it feels like it's going so badly. Yeah. I, I'm at the point now where I'm just, I, you know, I'm feeling good about last year and now I'm starting to do that sort of thing of going, Oh, well, which teams am I going to hope have the same happiness that I had like, you know, last year. And then on the weekend, a team that I would enjoy more than any other having that same sort of hope came along called St Kilda, yeah, right. Charlie. Like, I watched that game and I was like, well, here's my fairy tale story. This is the one that I'd love to get behind. How good would it be if St Kilda... How Here's the thing. It'd be great for you. Mm. I think it'd be good for our friendship, which I feel like has been a little out of whack <laughs> since the disparity on the one thing we'd built all our friendship on. <laughs> and last, last but not least... I gotta be honest with you. I would think this podcast, uh, had special powers. <laughs> <laughs> because if we started this podcast, 
Two guys, one cup. And then in the two years it happened, we both won friendships. <laughs> I would have to feel that ha- that had something to do with us. Yeah. That would be, well, I mean, it would be irrefutable. I agree. In fact, I want this to happen. I mean, I came up with a tagline at 71 Undone, uh, to say, cause it's 2017 on a, a, a yeah. version of uh, Reverse the Curse. So maybe we can get that trending. Maybe, maybe if we get enough, it's like if you, if you believe enough and you, and you clap, the fairies will come alive. Let's all, all the, all 2,000 of you, I think there's more than that, who listen to this podcast, if you believe St. Kilda can win, <laughs> they can win. I mean, surely we're going to be, if, if we're playing GWS, anyone who listens to this podcast, you've got to go for the Saints, right? Yes. Oh, I can make a list of teams I will go for the Saints over. Oh, really? Most of them. Pretty much all of them. Oh, people that get behind the Saints, mate. Like, the, the only other story that would get in your way would probably be Richmond. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Richmond, St Kilda people, that would be or mixed. Mel- but or, otherwise, or Melbourne. I think St Kilda would be the favourite. I think, I, think, I think people, like two weeks ago, people were very like bullish and happy to see Melbourne doing so well. But... I think people would be behind St Kilda more than Melbourne because it feels to us like Melbourne have had so much and squandered it a bit and we're glad they're back and everything, but it doesn't have the romanticism of like the diehard St Kilda fans who've seen so much anguish and so much pain. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we should re- recap the score, by the way, uh, just to, to inflict a bit more pain on you, Will. The Crows uh, were very accurate, 16-8-104, defeated the Bulldogs who were very inaccurate, 5-15-45. Now, Will, I wanted to get your insight just instinctively, as a die-hard, dyed-in-the-wool bulldog supporter, in the simplest sure. terms, picking one thing, what is the biggest problem facing the bulldogs right now? I I think the biggest problem facing them is a well. I think the biggest problem is a lack of confidence. They clearly have a lack of confidence, you know, in their game plan, and I think a lot of what they managed to achieve last year was because they believed that they could do it. It's the thing that I kept saying to my dad during the finals when he kept saying, do you think they could win? And I said, well, the one thing I know is they think they can win. And if they think they can win, then the least I can do is think they can win as well, right? Mm. Um, I, don't think they, I don't think they think they can win. Do you think... Like, they're not playing like they think they can win. Do you think it's one of those things where... Because now they have... Last year, they had no knowledge of how hard it was going to be to win a flag because they just turned up every week to win that game and they won the fucking flag. But now... They know how much that hurt. Like, they know how hard they had to work, what they had to sacrifice. Now that they've been to the top of the summit, it's like, oh, man, that was a really long climb. Do I really have the appetite to go again? Well, also, a couple of things. Like, firstly, and this is a very common football phrase, so here it fucking comes. There is a difference when the hunter (laughs) becomes the hunter. Never heard that before. I know. It's amazing, right? First time ever. But it's one of those things where I think that's true. There is an element of the fact that like teams, even if they're not having a great season, it's a good notch in your okay season if one of your wins comes against the running premiers. I think that's like something. Mm. And I think the other thing is you get a much tougher draw. Yeah. Like, you know, sometimes in previous seasons, you can win one or two by just playing the poorer teams once or twice. Whereas we've had a pretty solid draw because that's what you get when you finish up top. So you don't get those sort of easy kills as much. The, the other thing to remember is we finished seventh last year. Mm. Like we had a really good final season. We won the premiership and the hope was that those younger players would then step up to become, you know, top four or top two sort of, you know, players. And that's looked like what they did. But there's a chance that, you know, we were the seventh best team in it last year who had a good final series. And, you know, this year will be about the seventh to 12th best team in it, you know, 
at the end of the year. And then if we happen to sneak into the finals somehow, then, you know, then I think if they won enough games to sneak into the finals, then they've got to go, well, we've done this before, you know, anything could happen from here. But it's whether they'll win enough games to make the finals. The good news for them is that every other team keeps, you know, sort of beating each other or drawing with each other and sort of keeping a slot alive. Mm. Yeah, and it's. Not, I know we went through your uh, run home last week, but there are some winnable games there. Like, there, a lot of them are 50-50. So it's not to say you won't make finals this year. That's still very much a possibility. And if you do get in, then that thing of having gone from seventh to the grand final last year is a massive advantage. You just have to get there, I think. Yeah, and I don't know if we're going to. Like, injuries have already hurt us as well a lot this year. Like, you know, key position players. Like, as, as, as funny as it is to say, people like Marcus Adams, you know, a few of those sort of injuries have really kind of decimated us a bit. I don't think we know what we're doing up forward. Obviously, Tom Boyd um, is out now with clinical depression, so you don't know when or if he will, you know, kind of return and get back into it. And he should be given the time, you know, to work with that and deal with that. But I felt like... Uh, their their attitude to this season was okay, which was they thought that people would try to work them out so that they had to come up with a new way of playing. Mm. And I think that's what they were really experimenting with early on. And I think that in itself is not a terrible thought process because as you've seen across the league, most of the most successful teams have really adopted a lot of that sort of, you know, Bulldogs forward press, high speed handball sort of style of game. I think the problem is that the style of game they went to just isn't effective as the one they were playing beforehand. And so they they took a punt on playing a different style of game, whereas maybe they just had to play the same style yeah. of game but play it better than everybody else. That makes sense. Uh, down in Tasmania, uh, Hawthorne 14-13-97, Drew with the Giants 15-7-97. The second draw in a row uh, uh, for the Giants and the first time in something like 30-odd years. Uh, do you think it's... Nice that GWS in their infancy get to feel what it's like to be Richmond. Because <laughs> if this had been Richmond, this would be like, oh, Richmond, Richmond. That is a very Richmondy thing to happen. Two draws in a row. I no. Here's what I think about GWS. They're doing a very good job of fooling us that they're not the evil empire. That's what they've done. A good. We talked about it at the start of the season. You yeah. know, they were the unbridled sort of. Prim- Right, and everybody was against them. Mm. But through their trials with injuries and the fact that they've been very kind of heroic in some games and the fact that they've had a couple of draws at this point in the season, it's starting to get to the point where people will be fine with them winning in the Premiership. And I don't like it because that's not history. Yes, they've had some history this season, but that's not enough history, right? One season of like, you know, it's if they'd won all these games and they were three or four games out in front on the top of the ladder, they'd be hated. But at the moment, because of a couple the draws in a row. I mean, to me, I don't want to insinuate anything, but it's the sort of thing you do just to put people off the fact that you were super better than everybody. I won't lose a game, but I'll draw a couple yeah, just yeah, to yeah, keep yeah. the heat off our backs. Yeah, yeah, totally. It's pandering is what it is, Will. <laughs> right. Yeah, uh, Hawthorne, their resurgence stalled slightly, but um, they're going to be fine. I mean, we, we predicted this. We said, yeah, Hawthorne will have two bad years, but, you know, Alistair Clarkson is too good a coach and they've got enough good kids who have been held out by champions who have now moved on or retiring. It's like, they'll be okay. They'll be okay. God God bless them. Oh, and you've got to say that I know O'Meara, that's a to be, you know, to be seen when it comes to whether he'll be a good trade or not at the end of that. But Tom mm. Mitchell, 
Like, he's got to be a smoky for the Brownlow, right? He just gets the ball so much. And they will have won by the end of the season almost enough games that everyone's talking about Dangerfield and Martin being the only two left in it. But you could just see somebody like him who's playing in a team where nobody else has had a great season and he just every week goes out and gets 35-plus yeah. possessions. Like... He's, he's certainly earned his money this year. An accumulator, I think, uh, is the term, Will. He's an accumulator, a ball magnet. And they're in front of the umpires all the time. You know, it'd be like a, it would be like a Matthew Prittis win if he was to win one. Right. And, he, yeah, he's, he's very Prittis-like. You know, gets it all the time. He's in there. I don't know. He seems like he's probably polite. <laughs> I feel like he'd be a bit of an umpire's favourite. And I, I, I think, like, Hawthorne... They just haven't had that consistent, reliable performer. Anyway, there's my Smokey. If you want to get some money on the Smokey for the Brownlow, I'm going to say Tom Mitchell. And that's my lock of the year. <laughs> Essendon, 18-9-117, defeated the Pies, 12-8-80, in front of their normal rabid crowd. Uh, no surprises here. feels like Collingwood have put the cue in the rack a little bit. Yeah, look, this is one of those games where you're just like, this is the Essendon that convinces you that Essendon are really good, but you're not quite sure whether they can do it all the time. Um, Collingwood, yeah, Collingwood just feel like they're done and Nathan Buckley feels... Well, here's the thing. I don't think anything different to what I thought has been going to happen all season is going to happen, which is that Buckley gets to the end of the season and then they replace Buckley. I think that's been on the cards almost all season and it would surprise me severely if Eddie Maguire doesn't have some sort of backup plan already in place or at least a proposed backup mm. plan already in place. I mean, I don't know. I have no inside knowledge, but I uh, <laughs> I have no Eddie Maguire inside knowledge. Eddie hasn't been texting me to see what I think. <laughs> yeah, it feels, it, it, it feels like Bucks, he has been making enough sounds in his press conference for his Press conferences for you to go, oh, that's right. You were a very accomplished media performer. I'm sure that, you know, is a, that's a fine occupation if you just slide straight into it. He'll be snapped up by, you know, a million different outlets if he wants to go back into the media. Oh, and the, and the great thing about Nathan Buckley, he's a really good media performer who most of his media performance is about him criticizing the media. <laughs> like he's not, <laughs> he's got to carve out a really nice niche in there. So no, I think he'll be fine. And you know, I could also see him coaching again at some stage if he wanted to, but, um, you know, whether he would actually need to or have the desire to. And I think Collingwood will try to handle it really well. I mean, he's a, he is possibly, you know, the greatest player. You know, or at least the greatest player of the modern generation at the Collingwood Football Club. And, you know, I think he's been a great servant of that club. But I just think there's a time when it all comes to the end. I hope it not. I hope they go the opposite way. I hope they, you know, they bomb a Thompson it and they double down on him and they think, you know, he's the guy and, you know, we're going to commit to him and, yeah, we're going to put the right people around him. But I can't see that happening. So, like, you haven't heard... I know the players always come out and say, you know, we're behind our coach, you know, it's not his fault, blah, blah, blah. How do you take the temperature of the team? Is that the leadership group? And like, how do you do that without the coach's involvement? Like, if the board are thinking of replacing a coach, do they seek the leadership group's approval or is there a consultation? How does it normally go down? Oh, uh, yeah. Well, I mean, I think it depends on what the relationship with the coach is and where it stands. I mean, I think at the Bulldogs, when McCart, uh, McCartney, um, uh, 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 was coaching there and that all just was basically he lost the players he lost the senior players so I don't know how that's broken to you know the people who employ him but I imagine it's pretty obvious but in the case of Buckley mm. it feels like you don't really hear too much no. out of Collingwood about the players not liking him or anything no. like he just doesn't have the results on the board yeah I mean 
They've all got great top five lists. <laughs> That's just not the results on the right. board. Everyone's like, these, these are my top five reasons. Bucks, I, I love Bucks, <laughs> but we're just not winning any games. Uh, up at uh, Sydney, uh, up at, uh, what's it called? The SCG. Up at, I was going to say up at Sydney Stadium. <laughs> up in Sydney, the Swans, 17 16, uh, 118 defeated Gold Coast. Uh, 7 What was that on the Gold Coast? Was that the SCG or was it on the Gold Coast? Doesn't matter. Uh, it was somewhere. Uh, can't remember. It was somewhere. Um, yeah, Swans just doing what the Swans are doing. I think it was at the SCG. I think I, I, I watched that. I think it was at the SCG. Um, yeah, Sydney just, uh, just, oh, man, thank God that we won this week because that's the only thing keeping them at bay is just that terrible start. But everything else says their form is fantastic. Oh, mate, if they beat GWS uh, next weekend, then they're premiership favourites. <laughs> like, they are crazy, an amazing right? story, the Sydney Swans. And and your boy, uh, Gary Rowan, is like, uh, you know, he, he's actually a, he playing very, very well, Gary Rowan. Like, they, they suddenly feel like they've worked out exactly what they should be doing with Gary Rowan. And you're like, well, if it's working for Gary Rowan, I don't know if you can stop Sydney with a rampant Rowan. Maybe... <laughs> Maybe it was my kiss of death. I mean, I was the one who told you at the grand final not to worry about Gary Ryan. I said he's not much chop. And then, like this year, he's yeah. had. It's like when I. Uh, it's like when I uh, first met um, Chris uh, Chris Hemsworth, and I was like, Ah, oh, that guy won't go far. Right, or maybe it was that sort of thing where he heard about it. Like maybe he heard, like on on the day, or we've references it on the podcast. Maybe he's listening to the podcast right, and it got inside his head. Like, and that's, you know, that, and then obviously, you know, recently had a life-threatening, you know, almost a life-threatening uh, accident on the field. And in that moment, he was like, you know what? Don't let it get inside your head. Come back better. Let your success be the way that you settle this beef. Maybe you've inspired him. Oh, dear. <laughs> I didn't hear a thing you said. I'm just assuming it was funny. Was it a joke? <laughs> Sorry, the last 15 seconds you froze. Uh, going back just at the punchline. Was that convincing? <laughs> I'd like you to laugh that hard at the jokes that you actually do here in this podcast. <laughs> That'd be nice. Uh, anything else to say about the Sydney Gold right. Coast game? Not much. I mean, Rodney Eade, again, uh, dead man walking, you think? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it was, it was a, it was actually a pretty entertaining game to watch. Sydney were, you know, very, very impressive. So yeah, I, I enjoyed watching it, but, um, yeah, no, Sydney are good. Gold Coast. Yeah. Uh, yep, let's get the next game up, my cow. Cause I think I know what it is. No shit. <laughs> That's not the game I was thinking of. But anyway, uh, Geelong 25, 13, 163, uh, defeated the Brisbane Lion 11, Lions 11, 12, 78. Um, you're good on you, Geelong. I mean, why does no one like rate Geelong in the same class as GWS and, and Adelaide? Well, I think you're going to have to start doing it. I think it's getting now to the point where you're going to have to start rating Geelong as highly as those other teams because every team has a flaw in their armour. Every team, there's no perfect team. There's no team that you can look at in this competition and go, they are without their foibles or their, you know, fragilities. But you can't argue anymore that Geelong's fragilities outweigh or any more so than the ones that GWS or Adelaide have. I think you've got to say, you know, they're on the same rung as those guys for the print. I mean, Patrick Dangerfield is just, I mean, I know, 
Yeah, here we go. Here's some you know, late-breaking news. This is why you come to this podcast. But along with Gary Ablett being really good at footy and Dustin Martin being really good at footy most weekends, uh, Paddy Dangerfield is really good at football. Yeah, and it's just that club, when you think about the season they've had, they've had like every team, they've had their stumbles. They had one very bad patch, that three-game loss, and all their other losses have been spaced out. So they actually have been a bit more consistent or... Their run of losses hasn't come close to finals like, you know, Adelaide's bad run from a few weeks ago and stuff. They just, I think they're going to be thereabouts. It could very easily be a Geelong-Sydney grand final in my head. Yeah, it's one of those teams, Geelong, where you're just like, when are they going to get bad? Mm. And then you're like, ah, I just don't reckon, I don't reckon they are. No. I reckon... I reckon Joel Salwood will probably play for another 10 years and only lose about another 30 games. <laughs> yeah, they uh, it, it, it makes me mad to think about it because that rivalry that they had with St Kilda in the 2000s, and it's like, it's like you know, um, having a twin brother and growing up with him and he goes on to be a fucking PhD and, you know, he's a PhD rock star uh, fashion model for GQ. <laughs> It's like, well, we were essentially the same for a while, but then, I don't know, his, he just, his career just really took off when we left high school. Oh, I mean, I've, I have had that situation with Sydney this season because, like, when Sydney was 0 and 6 and the Bulldogs were, like, 4 and 6 or whatever, I was like, oh, yeah, well, the Bulldogs aren't playing that well, but, you know, they're making something of themselves. Whereas, like, Sydney, they were an unemployed bum yeah. who were never going to make anything of themselves. But look at them now. <laughs> Let's talk about the Saints on Saturday night, 21-12, 138, defeating Richmond, 10-11-71. We did talk a little about this already, so we don't have to dwell too long on it. But how about those fucking Saints, mate? How are those fucking Saints? That is the best I've seen them play. Well, that half was probably the best footy I've seen in since 2009, easily. When we went in our run in 2009 and didn't lose a game for the first 16 rounds... We were good, but it wasn't that kind of football. That was a Ross, down, Ross Lyon lockdown strangle teams kind of football. But that was just fucking exciting. And you know what was happened, Will? Is we actually kicked straight for once. If you look at our scorelines the last three weeks, if you'd flip them around, they're similar scorelines. We're having that many shots on goal. It's just this week we nailed them. Yeah, it was really exciting to watch. It really was. You were suddenly looking at that team and going, I know that you're after another big player, but when they play like that, you don't, see where you need them on the weeks where you see them and they play terribly you can it's very obvious where they need that extra player but when they play like that you're like oh no this works i didn't get this is all great i didn't get to see it live i watched it on um the afl website yesterday so listening to the commentary i really just got to soak up a lot of what was going on because i knew the result and stuff and i just wanted to enjoy it geez dion prestia got such a kicking didn't he every every commentator had a crack every single one of them had some had something to say about dion's efforts yeah, it's, it was one of those ones where when they turn, they turn really quickly. Mm. But I also think because Prestia has been having, like, he, he isn't able to train much, I don't think, and he's just getting out there. But because Richmond have been going well, there's no attention on you. Yeah. But the minute it goes the other way, like, he, you know, his attitude almost should be a bit like, oh, no, this is how I've been every week. It's all the other assholes who've been playing really well and covering me. They're the problem. If they've played well like they normally have, no one's been noticing that I'm just going. Hey, I produced the exact same game I did the week before and the week before that. Fuck these guys. Went, I mean, it actually snowballed. It was so weird because I had heard all the commentary and then I listened to uh, Mark Fine and Adam Cooney's show. And they were going like, they went so hard on him. They were like... 
Well, you know, the thing is, like, uh, you know, when GWS and Gold Coast get all these, like, top-round draft picks and midfielders, and you and you think you just pick one, they're going to be a superstar. But as a number four draft pick, it could be the worst ever. It's like, holy shit. Has he had that bad a game? Like, I'd look, maybe I haven't been following Dan Prestia that badly, but is why has he suddenly turned into, like, Shane Wawoden? I don't understand where all this hatred's coming from. Well, firstly, if there is this much hatred, I hope somebody has coined not in Prestia as the hashtag. <laughs> But um, I, I didn't realize there was until this weekend, but I was like you. It was like you were a ra- went to a racist rally yeah. and they mentioned one thing. that the, So if you were like really anti-Asians and Muslims or whatever, and, the, and then the guy just went, and the Portuguese! And you're like, oh, hang on, I love Nandos. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, what's he brought the Portuguese into this for? <laughs> like, it felt like that with Prestia. I was like, oh, I didn't realize that he was so unliked or so well, like criticized a, until A lot of the now. resentment I detected was because apparently he came with a high price tag. I think he's on about seven to eight hundred thousand a year. So I did read a few things from Richmond supporters being like, "It's so great, you know, we're paying so much money to a guy who cannot kick, handball, chase, or tackle." <laughs> and then Adam Cooney was having a bit of a dip, saying, "If you're going to come in on that price tag, you've got to deliver every week." Hey, how would this be for a champion data thing <laughs> that they could publish after every weekend? Right? How about? Champion data, this would be so easy to do as an algorithm too, right? So they take the entire like salary that you can play all the players mm. and then they get, get the list. It doesn't have to be published publicly, but they get the list uh, from the clubs, from the AFL of w- what each of the players on the list is being paid, right? Mm. And they every weekend publish after the weekend your value for money. Isn't that super coach? So. Well, no, but it's super coach, but then taking into account how much that player's being paid. Actual money. Okay. Like, yeah, as in like actual money. So they, at the end of the weekend, you literally get this kind of report of going, well, yeah, Dangerfield was best on ground, but really he only had like 35 touches and two guys who were getting paid like half of what he got paid got 50 touches. So that's better value for money. <laughs> yeah. So everyone's right. like, oh, today, you're right. Yeah. You just get like Koshi or someone, like some accountant, someone from the finance yeah. world to host it. It's purely about value for yeah, money he's... players. Bang for buck. Bang for bucks. Yeah. yeah reckon... Nathan, Nathan Buckley's going to need a job soon. Bucks can host it. Are you getting bang for your bucks with bucks? That's that's a great series. We'll pick pitch, we'll pitch that to Fox Footy because I love to see firstly the promo the promo department does for it. <laughs> but bang for bucks every uh, Monday morning. Nathan Buckley runs you through. I love it. With a finance guru. Yeah. So it's Nathan Buckley and the Barefoot Investor or someone, Brilliant. right? And they're doing this thing, they're doing this thing together and it's a show where they go through the value of the list and they like discuss, you know, whether you're getting value out of your superstars. So then that's how you'd be able to know on your Prestia. Yeah. Cause you'd be able to go, well, for the money he's getting paid, he really needs to be at this level to be, for us to be getting value for money. Whereas someone else is getting paid like 180,000. If they're getting Prestia numbers, that might be great value for money. If anyone out there. Wants to have a crack at a uh, Fox file, a Fox footy style promo for Bang for Bucks. You know, even if it's just an audio file or something, a theme song, whatever, uh, email it to us or put it onto our Facebook page because I think that would be sweet. I'm here, I'm just hearing explosions, like a Ted DiBiase million dollar man kind of theme, but like bang for bucks and it just like rains money. Oh, and then he does it all in top five. Yes. So he'll give you your t- top five best value oh. for the week. You, you, t- you, yeah, that's, I that's mean, a that's great right idea. I mean, Jesus Christ, Fox Footy. We're just throwing out gold left, right, and center. Uh, yeah. it's just, 
Go on. Uh, on Sunday, uh, the Frio Dockers, uh, 13-8-86, uh, defeated North Melbourne, 12-10-82. Eh, it was an okay game to watch. Um, it sort of felt like... I felt like Frio were in control most of the day. But um, two questions, Will. Your two big men who play for North Melbourne, Todd Goldstein and Majak Dorr, should they look elsewhere or will they not have a choice? Uh, well, I think that North Melbourne sees some value in trading Goldstein. Like, he'd, Goldstein would still have some value out there, uh, particularly to a club that's not too far from uh, North Melbourne, uh, the Western Bulldogs. <laughs> I imagine if you could get, like, a ready-made still... Like, I mean, two years ago or three years ago, he was All-Australian. He's one of the best and fairest at North. He loves rucking all day, and we're a team that doesn't have that sort of ruckman who could ruck all day. Um I think there'd be value at another club, and that's what North Melbourne are probably thinking. Like, we could sell him off for some value now, and we can see if this other guy, Proust, or whatever his name is, like, you know, can play and get some, you know, but he's the future. Mad Jack, i got to be honest with you, it just kind of feels like Mad Jack, it's just, I mean, you'd love it to work for him, but it doesn't feel like it's quite going to work for but him. I well. feel like... You know, uh, Jared Healy, an astute observer of the game, he feels like Majak has been played out of position his entire career. He's a pure ruckman who can play up forward occasionally, but that's not how they've, they've played him. I see him similar to someone like a Reece Stanley. Like Reece Stanley, when he was at St Kilda, was constantly potential, and we couldn't work out whether or not he was Nick Revolt's second coming or if he was a ruckman and would play him in both. And we played him out of position. Then he went to Geelong, and I know he's had injuries, but they play him almost purely as a ruckman, and it served him really well. He's never going to be like a world beater, but Magic's had so much time in the system. He's got that physique. He knows how to play a ruck. If you just give him some, a, a single role to focus on, I mean, I don't know what club would be interested, but if, if the Bulldogs, for instance, didn't have a trade that appealed or enough money to go for a gold scene or whatever, then Magic, I don't think, would be a bad option if you just said, okay, Liam Jones style, we're going to reinvent you. Well, here's what I would say about that is, it would, I guess it would depend on like how much you were going to pay him. You need to know your, your VFM, your value for money. In fact, your VFMM, your value for magic money. Yeah, you'd have to, you'd have to call um, up Bucks and find out if you've got enough bang for it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, like Bucks. It's Will, the producer of your show. <laughs> uh, <laughs> one of the producers. For some reason, one felt- of the producers. <laughs> Don't go white adding me, you motherfucker. <laughs> I knew it. I knew there was a pain in my back. I didn't realize it was a knife. <laughs> selling this story to Fox Footy. Selling this show to Fox Footy without me. I mean, I think you'll find I came up with most of the concepts. I came up with the idea of Nathan, Nathan Buckley, Buckley, which is the fucking... That is the show. Are you serious? Yeah, but if you choose the host of a show, it doesn't mean you own the rights to creating the show. I created the show, and you picked the host of the Did show. Did you create the show? Associate, you're an associate producer. Get fucked. It's 50-50 all the way. Leadership group, but not captain. <laughs> okay. Sold. <laughs> uh, here's what I would say about uh, Fremantle. Uh, obviously... Uh, it was great to see Fife um, back to being the Fife that we remember. He played a fantastic game. And also uh, this kid, uh, the first gamer, who's kicked four goals mm. and uh, has, doesn't even normally play in the forward line. <laughs> it's the Liam Jones secret to success. Just put someone in a completely opposite position and watch them thrive. I mean, that'd be great. Uh, because Liam Jones, of course, obviously started at the Bulldogs. Maybe that'll be Bevo's... Uh, 
strategy this week when we go up against Carlton. Like, he's like, you know, the only way to beat Liam Jones is you've got a Liam Jones it. You know, like that day where Costanza did the opposite of everything that he yeah, wanted yeah. to do? Maybe that's what Bevo will do for the match. And we, Liam Jones, the entire team. So everyone plays out of position. Oh, that's a great like, idea. Like junior footy. Yeah. He just leaves everybody in opposite positions. Caleb Daniel goes into the ruck. Jake Stringer right. goes to full back. Tom Libertore. <laughs> We're Liam Jonesing it. Tom Libertore goes to church instead of a nightclub. <laughs> Uh, on Sunday as well, uh, the Melbourne Demons, 14-690, defeated Carlton, 12-10-82. Uh, Jeez, not a good game for Carlton. I mean, they were valiant and everything, but just in terms of injuries. Cripps apparently is out for the rest of the year, joining Marchbank on the sidelines. Yeah, and the thing about uh, Cripps is it's really hard to him to recover because of, uh, you know, family reasons. Um, he, uh, he can't get any blood transfusions. <laughs> <laughs> Come to Two Guys One Cup for all your 1993 LA-based humour. <laughs> we have listeners where you're after going. What is he talking about? The Bloods and the Crips, man. Like seriously, just listen to a Snoop album, guys. <laughs> so. <laughs> Uh, I thought that um, Melbourne played well enough. I thought Carlton, you know, uh, very exciting. There's a lot to like. I, there was times during that game, Charlie, where I was thinking of you and the rise of the Carlton Football Club because it, it, it's just, it is really exciting. There's a lot to like about Carlton. I found myself cheering for Carlton and you've made me check myself mm. before I, I rickety wreck myself. <laughs> There's another one to look up, kids. <laughs> Uh, what's going on with Melbourne and their thin skin? Like, Clayton Oliver, like, having banter with people in the crowd. Like, what's going on with all these kids? Like, it's funny. They're just, um, they're, they're, they're so talented, Will, but they're so wild. They need to respond to all this shit. If it's not on social media, they'll literally bloody troll you to your face. I like it. It's given Melbourne an identity that I can finally, Uh. up until now, I just didn't ever know what Melbourne were, what character they were. But I feel like uh, if they were Game of Thrones, like, you know, Ramsey. Yeah. Like, Melbourne are Ramsey. No, that's Carlton. You know? There's some old... <laughs> yeah. But it is that sort of vibe of, like, they feel like they were this old house that haven't been relevant for ages. And now they've got a bit of, like, success and there's a bit of cockiness. There's a bit of, like, you know, old money. Yeah. Like, the, you know what they are? All these Melbourne players, they feel like the young, entitled kids of old money. They're the next generation that got ruined. You know who they are? They're the guy with the ponytail in that scene in Goodwill Hunting when Ben Affleck's trying to chat up the girl right. and he comes up and tries to humiliate him because, you know, he didn't actually go to Harvard University. Right, yeah. They, it feels like they are the bad boys of the AFL. Hey, Melbourne. Hey, Melbourne. I, hey, Melbourne. I, your captain's out for the year. How do you like them apples? <laughs> but, yeah, I'm, i I got to be honest with you. I assume he's going to... We don't know at this stage, but I assume that Oliver's probably going to get in trouble for that, but... I don't, I don't really care too much about it. Like, I, I know that you probably can't be, if, even if they're saying something to you, you probably can't be saying something back because it could lead to something else. But did you see the f- in a general sense, I like did it. Did you see the footage? Yeah, I watched this. The game. reaction of the guy when Toby Oliver snaps, not Toby Oliver, what's his name? Clayton Oliver. When he snaps back, is priceless. Clayton like, Oliver. he literally gasps. Like, I mean, you can, you can't hear it, but he literally, like, he almost clasps his pearls. He's so taken aback. <gasps> right. <laughs> like, he does one of those. And from what I've heard, that, that guy had uh, dropped the C bomb in his original statement. So he wasn't an easily shocked <laughs> gentleman. <laughs> 
Well, I never, I believe, is what he exclaimed when Oliver <laughs> snapped back. Well, good day to you, Clayton. <laughs> I just spat out my sherry. <laughs> the last game of the round um, was Port Adelaide, 18-12, 120, uh, defeating West Coast and Subiaco, 13-10, 88. Uh, I didn't see much of this game. In fact, I saw none of this game. What happened in it, Will? Tell me. Uh, I watched the entirety of this game. And this is... Uh, I th- normally, when the Bulldogs lose early in the weekend, we've talked about this before, it ruins the rest of my weekend, but this kind of gives me a sense of where I'm at. In, in some ways, I was fine with the Bulldogs you know, losing. I was like, okay, all right, okay. I think that's you know about where we're at. And then it kind of meant that I could enjoy the rest of the weekend. My mind was off that. But the, the, my weekend wasn't clouded by conversations of what was going wrong with the Bulldogs. I was fine. Mm. I understood the truth, and I could enjoy other games. So I watched this entire game, and I thought West Coast were pretty good for like two and a half quarters of it. And then, like <laughs> Robbie Gray, who had been like tagged out of the game, just was like, "Oh no, I haven't actually been tagged out of the game. I'm going to just be awesome now for a quarter and a half and win this game." Like. Yeah, I mean, Paddy Ryder is just a thing of beauty to watch at the moment. There was this moment in the middle of the field where he just, like, picked up the ball and spun around, and it was just... It was like Bontempelli or someone, and he's, like, you know, Six eight foot. foot. Ten. It's, it, it's so good to watch. Like, I mean, you know, for all the shit that we've given him on this podcast, you've got to look at that forward line and start to think, wow. Like, I mean, like, uh, Charlie Dixon is... He's a good player. There's no doubt about that. Like he's a really so good. That's never player. been in question. And it's just, it's just that face. I know, but it's become less punchable. I feel okay. There's something about him that's. I, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it is just the, the fact that sometimes you like you don't know if it's him or Westhoff, and I kind of like Westhoff more. Maybe that's rubbing off. Yeah, yeah. Maybe he's having like an Adam. There's like an Adam Hills effect, like how some people like me more because they think I'm Adam Hills, but some people like him less because they think that he is me. <laughs> like, I feel like, I feel like that's, that's maybe rubbing off a little. Yeah, that makes sense. And where do you rank West Coast? You've been bullish on them all year. Me, not so much. I, I think, I think they'll probably still make the finals, but I think that Port, if they could play like this, um, you know, they, they could be a top four side, I reckon Port. They, they, when they're going, they are very, very good. But this is the thing though, this is this season. I was at the Port game last week where they lost to Richmond at home. So, who fucking knows? It really is a crapshoot. Anyone can win it. Well, anyone in the, the, to- the, the end of, top 10. The end of this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, let's look ahead. All we're saying is, get all your money on Brisbane. <laughs> it is the only logical result at this point. <laughs> Looking ahead to this end of this week, uh, Friday night, the Mighty Saints take on Essendon at Etihad Stadium, which should be, let me just say, it will be a fast game. Two teams that like to play on at all costs. Good game. It's the same uh, memories out. I know uh, he had to serve time for what he did, but he was in red-hot form on the weekend, kicked five straight. Um, I don't know who comes in for him. I guess you look at either maybe bringing Paddy McCartan back, although he's had two weeks out with concussion. Blake Akers is uh, another option to bring back, but um, you'd imagine the rest of the lineup would be unchanged if they didn't have to. Yeah, I think it's a pity that they've lost memory, and I think you've got to leave 
um, McCartney out for a little bit longer just because he's he might have lost his memories. So I just think you've got to look after him a little bit at this point. You don't, I don't, you can just play without him, I think. Don't you think? Don't you think they've got the structure? I think they don't really need. Well, they, yeah, like even when we had a fit, healthy, uh, or the entire Fordland to choose from, he wasn't making it because I think it's hard to play all of Revolt, Bruce, and Membry. And Bruce has been in good form. Revolt's been in good form. So he could come in this week, but I just sort of feel like. They're taking a conservative approach with him. And Blake Akers apparently tore it up on the weekend, so he seems like a good luck-for-luck replacement and can go through the midfield. Uh, I will pick the Saints in this game. Yeah, I mean, I think the Saints too. If they play anything near the way they played on this weekend, then, like, I reckon Essendon are good, but Saints should beat them. On Saturday, traditional rivals Geelong take on Hawthorne at the MCG. This will be a cracking game. Like, Hodges... Great game. And these... these... There you go. These games are always good anyway. Like, I mean, they're always close regardless of where the teams are on the ladder. Yeah. I mean, if I have friends who are in town from overseas who want to catch AFL, my first hope for them is that it'll be a Geelong-Hawthorne game because they're never disappointing. Nah, this will be fun. It's just like two two old pros going at each other. Like, you know, Hodgie and his 300th, there'll be a lot of, you know, aggro in it. I mean, Hawthorne could win this one. They're still decent enough a team to spoil Geelong's party, and it's kind of the sort of one that Geelong could lose, but I reckon Geelong. Yeah, I'm going to pick uh, Hawthorne on this one, and that's my lock of the week. I feel like maybe Geelong are, are, are a bit vulnerable at the moment. Uh, later on that afternoon, Port Adelaide take on North Melbourne Football Club at home at the Adelaide Oval. Um, I mean, it feels like Port are going to win this, doesn't it? But having said that, they lost to the Tigers two weeks ago at home. Yeah, if you're looking at one to kind of upset the round, like, you know, North winning in Adelaide would be a really good, mm. that would be a good one to pick, but I'm going to, I'm going to say Port. Up on the Gold Coast, Tony Cochran's crazy sons <laughs> taking on the Collingwood Pies at Magic Gun Stadium. I don't know why. You just said earlier tonight that he's insane, and it just tickled me, it tickled me pink to think if he was like, if the Gold Coast was some shitty, like, low-rent mobile phone store and Tony Cochran was the guy who owned right. the store, it's like, Tony Cochran's crazy Gold Coast sons. Everything must go. No, our he... coach is gone. Our assistants are yeah. gone. Our training facility is gone, gone, gone. <laughs> Uh, they take on the Pies at Metricon Stadium. I mean, two teams with not a lot to play for at the moment. It's, it's the kind of game that Collingwood will win just because they, they shouldn't. Um, fuck, I don't know. Flipping a coin, Gold Coast. Yeah, I'm going to say Gold Coast. Uh, hopefully Ablett will be back and they're, they're a much better team with Ablett. Uh, match of the round, you think? Up at uh, uh, the Battle of the Bridge, GWS taking on Sydney Swans at Spotless Stadium. I mean, the Battle of the Bridge could be the precursor to this year's grand final. Like, I mean, this is a... This is a game, if Sydney want to, like, say... I mean, I think GWS are vulnerable, obviously. You know, Sydney, they're like, you know, they need to keep winning. I mean, I'm going to say Sydney. I'm going to say Sydney to win this and then make this season very, very interesting. Yes, I agree. Sydney to win that one as well. Melbourne take on Adelaide in Darwin. That's T.O. Arena, isn't it? It is Darwin. Let's say it is. Yeah, Darwin. Melbourne take on... Uh, yes. Whew. Mike Hell's confirmed. Yeah, this, this is, is a really interesting game. Mm, I think Adelaide... Do Melbourne have any particular advantage playing in Darwin? Uh, I think they get paid money for it. Yeah. I think that, that's pretty much the only advantage. Yeah, they certainly so, get bang uh, for their bucks, Will. That great idea that you and I came <laughs> up with equally. Oh, well, this is another thing that they could be doing in bang for your bucks. They could do it like on stadium deals and stuff. So you'd know, like, you know, are we getting our Eddie Had bang for our buck? Are we getting our MCG bang for our buck? Are we getting our TO Stadium bang for our bucks? Yeah. Anyway. Great idea for a show. Okay. We're geniuses. But, we, you okay. and I, co equal co partners. Co co 
Co-producers. Okay. Co-producers. <laughs> on Sunday... My, my, my name first, though. <laughs> yeah, sure. On Sunday, Richmond take on the Lions at Etihad Stadium. Fuck, now... Statement game, right? Statement game. They can't fucking let this one slip. By the way, I, I think Adelaide are going to win as well. I'm with you. Uh, Sorry. So, yeah, who do you think will win out of the Tigers and the Lions in the Wizard of Oz game? It's a real... I think uh, Richmond have got to win this one. They've got to, they've got to make a statement after last time. Although, if you want to make things a bit more Richmondy this season, losing to Brisbane after that one, and then really getting in a bit of a hole just before the finals <laughs> would be very Richmondy. But and but um, and Bri- I'm going to say Rich- and Brisbane Richmond. do seem like the kind of team that could upset you if you take them too lightly. I mean, they have done already this season. So I'm going to pick the Lions, and that's my second lock of the week. <laughs> I'm just it's never been a rule that you could only have one. <laughs> I've just been giving away my fucking tips this season. I'm terrible in the tipping comp. Uh, on uh, Sunday, also, uh, the Blues take on the Western Bulldogs at the MCG. A wounded Carlton. Perfect, perfect match for the Bulldogs to fucking just get a bit of a leg up. You need to beat these guys well. I'd say four to five goals. Well, put it this way. Uh, if last week was like... Uh, most people who have your disease don't recover from it. That's what the doctor told us last week. Uh, this week, if we lose to Carlton, that's us saying, make sure you're saying goodbye to everybody in your lives. <laughs> oh <my> so, God. <laughs> so you're picking the Bulldogs as well. I'm always going to pick the Bulldogs, but I'd like them to win a little bit more so they don't fuck my tips. <laughs> <laughs> last game, Freo take on West Coast, the main stadium in the Derby Derby. The Derby Derby. Yeah, the Derby Derby. Uh, I, this is an interesting game, isn't mm. it? Um, I'm going to say West Coast just because I think West Coast are more likely to play finals, so they've got more on the line. But it would not surprise me if Freo won this one. Freo went close against us. They won last week. I'm going to say they're in a roll. Ross Line, he'll pump them up. I'm going to say Freo in this game. Yeah, I could see that happening. The W clash. <laughs> it's uh, only behind the Q clash. <laughs> it's the second most important local derby derby. All right, uh, you have to dash off now, so let's wrap it up there. Sorry for the uh, yep. shorter version, people. But, hey, look, at least you got an episode this week. We didn't even know if that was going to happen. And and there was a two guys, one bag uh, that we put up uh, during the week. So from last week, there's an episode and a sort of little mailbag episode that's up there as well. Uh, if you'd like to support the show, you can check us out on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash TOEFOP. Um, this is the way you can just throw a few dollars our way, which helps us pay uh, someone like Mike Hal to create uh, and cut and uh, 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 curate this show online for us. Um, the only reason we get to do this is because Mike Hale's involved. So um, if you'd like to support us, that's how we support him. Uh, we also have a website, tofop.com, where you can check out this podcast and many of our other high-quality audio entertainment programs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, there's Willosophy that barely comes out, and there's Fofop that there's a new one of that will come out soon. And then there's Tofop that we just <laughs> we have trouble explaining to people. But, you know, if you like this show, but anyway, not whatever. about football, it's gonna, you'll like this. It's going to... <laughs> That's our best sales yes. pitch. <laughs> this is a disaster. We're not, we're not, we're not, we're not great at this. <laughs> but anyway, it's an episode. Play, play on not fifteen. Ball. We are two guys, one car.